This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Looking around, I finally see I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free It's a Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. This is your host, Rachel Jamieson. Today, I interview Kelly the Kitchen Cop. Kelly is a food advocate, an author, a registered LPN, and she grows grows some of her food, but she also sources from local farms and homesteads. I thought that she was a perfect fit for the podcast because of her advocacy for healthy food and because she has helped people start changing their diet with a book that she authored, which you can find on her website. And we will have links in the show notes for you to follow so that you can get this this book. And then she also has some really great resources on her website. And she's on several social media platforms. Um, If you visit her YouTube channel, she can also help with some basic cooking skills. And some of these cooking skills might be basic, but they're very back to traditional cooking as far as um, recipes and videos on how to make homemade mayonnaise and sourdough bread, things like that. So um, I guess with that, we are going to start this interview. All right. Hello, everyone. We're here for the Modern Homesteading Podcast, talking to Kelly, the kitchen cop, about homestead health. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I wondered if maybe you could talk to us about what got you started down this path of um, learning about health and wellness and improving your diet in order to improve your health. Well, it started in a different way than it does for most. A lot of people, it begins when they have a health scare and then that puts them down this road. But for me, I've always just had a curious mind. I've always wanted to get to the truth on things. And so at one point I was reading a book called The South Beach Diet. And a friend of mine who was a Weston Price chapter leader found out that I was reading that. And she said, that book has some good things. You know, there's some good things in there. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean only some good things? Like, what don't you agree with? And she started telling me about it. And she told me about the Weston Price Foundation. And so the next morning, it's so weird that I remember this still after all these years, because this was in 2004. The next morning, it was a Saturday. And I went down to our computer, which was only hardwired then, you know how back then. And I was on the Weston Price site for two or three hours and just my eyes were opened and I could not believe everything that I didn't know. And I learned the truth about, you know, low fat being so bad for us and how only, you know, whole milk products were so good for us and butter. It was actually so good for us. And my eyes were just opened and my mind was blown. And that really kind of kicked off a... I mean, everything changed in our life. And my husband had no idea (laughs) what was about to hit him or our kids. And, but he was, you know, right along with me. He, he was all for every single thing I suggested. He was like, yeah, let's do it. You know? And I I wanted to buy a, I don't know, $300 Bosch mixer. And he's like, well, I guess if you're going to use it, that's fine. You know? And I still have that thing, by the way, that I bought in 2004 and I use it several times a week. Um, yeah. So 
that was how it started. But what's funny is even though I didn't think we had any issues, once I cleaned up our diet, a lot of things got so much better around our house. Like at the at the time, our son had was going through terrible uh, a nighttime routine that was just horrible. We couldn't get him to go to sleep. He had really bad behavior issues. And once I switched the food around and got rid of things like dyes and all the junk that's in the food at the store, he turned into the sweetest little guy. It changed everything for him too. So I really feel like we probably averted a lot of, you know, a lot of bad things that could have happened if we would have stayed on that path that we were on because I thought hamburger helper was a homemade meal and we used to eat out a lot. And my oldest son jokingly says he calls, you know, the days before I switched our food, the good old days, you know, because he would get back cereal for breakfast and all this crap, you know, that was so bad. And, you know, but once I, once I learned the truth, there was no going back. Yeah. That I think my kids missed, um, they really missed cereal. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that they probably missed that more than anything else. I would have to say, you know, what you should do Wait, how old are your kids now, Rachel? Well, now they're adults. They're, okay. you know, 22 to 32. So, well, even as adults, we still, I mean, I'm sure you do too, buy presents for the kids and stuff. Yeah. And I still do like little things in their stockings, not nothing like we used to obviously, but every year I still put in their stocking a coupon. That's good for, this is what I say. This coupon is good for one crappy box of breakfast cereal from the store. <laughs> That's a good idea. And That's a good idea. So once a year they get to have that. And you know what? I my um I think it was my youngest last year that was like, eh, this doesn't taste as good. I mean, he still ate it. He scarfed it down, trust me. Oh yeah, right. But he gave up candy for a while during his soccer season. And when he finally had it again, he's like, this just doesn't taste as good as I remembered. So I'm like, yeah. see, your, your palate really does change over time. Oh yeah, it does. And then on top of it, you're like, man, I have a headache or I feel really strung out right now. Oh Mm -hmm. yeah. I haven't had candy in a while and I had all this sugar. Yep. Right. Yeah. That, um, that's huge. Like when you remove things from your diet, like you said, you often don't realize that it's an issue until it's out. And then you're like, oh, wait, Right. My skin got better or I have more energy or or a lot of my readers will say my joints stopped hurting. Yeah. That's that was one. huge for me with my with my own health crisis that went on for quite a while was mm-hmm. um, I had chronic pain issues. I mean chronic and debilitating in your um, joints mostly or everywhere. Every single joint. I mean I was in my late 20s and I would get up every morning and have to run my hands under hot water just to be oh. able to use them. I I've told the, my, the listeners, I think have heard this before, at least I've been on a few podcasts besides my own, but at one point I was basically bedridden Wow, and I couldn't even get out of bed and to climb up a flight of steps, I would have to stop and rest and I couldn't comb my hair because my hair. And now look at you, you're like the energizer bunny now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel pretty good. And that was, um, you know, like 25 years ago. So I know, aren't you just so thankful that God led you to this because and that you were open to it, you know? Yes. Yes. Because of actually a friend that I probably never would have considered, like, I thought what we were doing with healthy and, and it was healthy. I was, I was making homemade things and, um, you know, it was a version of healthy. It was healthier than before. Junk. Yeah. Yeah. Hamburger helper and, you know, fruity pebbles. Yeah. It was healthier than that. And, um, I just happened, I don't even know where I ran into her, but she was a friend from church and she had moved away and gotten married and then came back maybe and visited her family. And she was a GAPS practitioner. Oh, right. And this was like when GAPS practitioners were like, it was a pretty new thing. It was right around the time that Natasha was probably finishing her research because this would have been. Even before the book? I, I believe so, but I'm not positive. I can't remember when the first book was published. Okay. I have all of her books, but I can't remember when the first one was published. But it's sad how many people don't even know or have never heard of GAPS and how it can change your whole life. Yeah. And for those listening, GAPS is an acronym. It's called Gut and Psychology Syndrome by um, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. And it changed my life. I mean, so that was when I was like 
probably about 28 or 29 we ran into that and I'm 39 or 49 39 <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we did so she is the one that introduced me to gaps and it just changed my life and you um, could hear her speak Natasha yeah. she's really an excellent speaker yeah, and, and I her research is crazy her. I stalked her on the internet, you know, the old internet too, where it was slow and you had to fold a load of laundry while it loaded Yep, (laughs) everything I could find. I even have books that I made of my own notes. Like I still have them from when we did it. And, um, yeah, yeah. I think there's two, there's two kind of types of people. There's some that just haven't heard this stuff and, you know, they need someone to share it with them. And then there's those that doesn't matter if they've heard it or not, they wouldn't implement it. You know, you just, you never know where someone's at. And sometimes they just aren't there where they can put this into, into practice. I was desperate though. I mean, I was 29 and I had little kids or 28. I mean, I was actually sick most of my life and didn't realize later, but, but at this moment in time, I was, I was at my lowest and I was desperate. The doctors had offered me really no hope. Specialists had offered me no hope or no help. Um, I only had one specialist out of several I had gone to that said, maybe you should change your diet. Wow. One. Yeah. And he told me to give up um, nightshades to see if it helped with my pain. That does actually help a lot of people. Yeah, it does. And he was a rheumatologist who had um, autoimmune disease. So he, you know, he actually knew that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that changed my life. And I know a lot of people either get into homesteading for health or get into homesteading because they're already having health problems. Right. But then we also have a segment of people that are are just really interested in homesteading because it's, it, they really like the lifestyle and, and they want to be self-sufficient. Yeah. And I have had, we've had a lot of people contact us um, various ways saying that they're brand new. And um, so I thought about, you know, having you on because you know a lot about food and a lot about the why. Why wouldn't you want to have um, canola oil? Why would you want to have butter instead of canola oil? Or why would you want to have lard instead of canola oil? And so getting those people just started, even if they're still buying a lot of things from the grocery store, getting people started on, um, you know, things like seed Taking baby steps, right? Yeah. And so actually I should clarify because- what I just said a minute ago was that there's two types of people, those that just haven't heard it and those that didn't matter, they they wouldn't put it into place anyway. But there is a third group who have maybe started hearing about some of this stuff, but they don't know where to start or they get overwhelmed. And yeah, really, that great. is the people that I want to reach. I love those people that are hungry and they are ready to learn and they'll go out and go crazy like I did and just want to implement everything. I mean, even if it's over slowly over time, but the ones that, you know, like I love interacting with my readers. And so if they, anytime someone emails me, I always, always reply to them because it's really my favorite part, because I figure if someone's going to go to the trouble of tracking down my email address and, and sending me an email and asking for help, those people are the ones that are really going to listen and take in what you're saying and try to make these changes. And they're the obviously they're the most fun to help because the ones that you spend all this time and then they never do anything with it, it just gets a little frustrating. So the ones that are really hungry and want to learn and are just feeling overwhelmed, that's really my, those are my people. Yeah. And you know, something just occurred to me too, as you're a beginning homesteader, or even as you're planning your homestead next year, some of these thoughts that we're discussing might help you plan your homestead. Like what kind of animal do I want? Maybe I wasn't considering a pig before, but maybe I want a pig because I want lard. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe I wasn't considering growing some of my own grain, but maybe I will grow some of my own grain in my garden this year. So what are your thoughts on, um, can you explain like seed oils and, and uh, saturated fats, the difference between the two and why? That's my favorite topic actually. (laughs) I love talking about fats because the main reason is because they are so misunderstood and this is how I learned it and has stuck with me all these years. When I was reading that morning on the Weston Price website, what they said was, what did your great grandparents eat? You know, you look back a lot of the diseases that we have today in our culture are diseases that are so new on the scene. 
things that, you know, our great grandparents didn't have to deal with. No, nobody had these issues. So they said, go back and look at what are the traditional fats and the traditional foods that people have eaten for centuries. And if it's, if it's old, and actually I have on my social media page, I just put something up about this a couple of days ago. You know, if it's something we've been eating for hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years, whatever, it's pretty much, you can, you can know that it's safe, but if it's something that's in the past hundred years, then you better question it. And that's really the case with oils. So canola oil and soybean oil are so bad for you and you should avoid them like the plague. And if I go to someone's house and I see one of these vegetable oils in their cabinet, I'm like, could I throw that away for you? Because this is so bad and there's easier and better alternatives. So like in recipes, if you, if you want, like you can melt butter and use that. And like, if you're making a cookie or, you know, a batch of cookies or whatever, um, you can also use avocado oil is a little better. Um, actually you just got to be careful not to use too many saturated fats. You don't really have to limit beef tallow from cows, um, lard from pigs, butter, ghee, which is just um, butter with the milk solids taken out. These, am I forgetting one of these traditional coconut oil? These are all so good for us, but anytime you have a, a liquid oil, you know, there's some that are way better than others. So like avocado oil I used to make my homemade mayonnaise, which literally takes three or four minutes. I'm not kidding. It's so easy and it tastes so much better than the junk at the store. The stuff at the store, almost all of it has canola or soybean oil. So anyway, I make my own mayo with avocado oil and that's mostly what I use my avocado oil for. But you just, um, you want to avoid those new oils like soybean and canola. They are really only, they're so cheap that restaurants love them. And so you have to really ask, you know, what is this fried in? Or, you know, what do you use for this? Because most of them are using that stuff because it's so cheap and, and they can get it in bulk and like crazy low prices, you know? So these new fats are not recognized by our body. That's not what we were um, made to consume. So they cause all sorts of problems. They cause inflammation in your body, which is what's causing the pain in your joints or causing heart disease or all these other, these diseases that so many people struggle with. So I, I just, I wish I could scream into the world to avoid those, those things. I could be remembering wrong because it's been a while since I've delved into that, but it's also like a, it's a carcinogen too, isn't it? Well, the other thing to remember about soy, soybean oil is that in times past, well, even maybe now, I think they do it. They, soybeans are sort of like a, a crap that you put in to pull the toxins out of the soil. So then the next year you can grow something in that soil again, that's, you know, that's profitable. Well, then they found a way to make money off these soybeans and they put them in, it's in everything. If you look in the store and you're, that's the main thing I want to tell people too read your ingredient labels because you can find soy in almost everything at the store. You really have to know to look for it. And so, yeah, so big, big egg found a way to make money off this crap that in the past was just a a wash because they, it was just like to pull, like I said, to pull the toxins from the soil every other year or whatever. Yeah. And then on top of it, they're spraying it and using, uh, putting it in depleted soils and, you know, just so many things. So would you use, I think I know the answer to this. I know what my answer is to this, but would you use those if they were organic? No way. Yeah. No. And that's, that's another thing that I try to teach people that the word organic does not mean it's healthy. Uh, Organic just means that it was, it's better because it means it was spray. It was uh, grown without spray, right? Pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, whatever. Uh, But that does not make it a health food. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so we remove seed oils and we go back to our roots with saturated fats. Do you, um, do you do ferments? 
Yes, I I go in streaks on those, but I have been in a long streak now where I am sticking with it because it's gotten I figured out how to make it so easy. Right. And so two of them that I do consistently. Well, I I eat sauerkraut consistently, but my brother-in-law, God bless him, he makes tons of it every year because he has this huge garden and we get it from him. So that's what's kind of nice. Once you kind of get into the real food world, you can swap things with people, you know. Um, But the two that I do on a regular basis are sourdough bread and um, my dairy kefir. Okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And oh my gosh, they're so simple. I used to make it so hard. So I don't know if you want me to go into how easy those are. You can go into that. Um, I'm assuming you're using um, raw milk with your kefir. Yep. However you say it, I was told to say it kefir, but I know people say it so many different ways. Yeah, right. Um, I'm assuming you use raw milk with that. And and kefir is, um, there's milk grains and then there's water kefir grains. The milk grains- I used to make water kefir before and it was kind of like, I call it, it's called kefir soda and mm-hmm. my kids liked it. It was, it's sort of like kombucha for those of you who yep. are, familiar, are familiar with that, but you can tone down that vinegary taste a little yeah. bit, um, which I actually love. I love kombucha, but with the kefir soda, you can maybe add just a smidge more juice or whatever. It's a great way to get those good probiotics into your kids. Yeah, um, really The dairy kefir is like it's like a drinkable yogurt, but it has so many more of that healthy bacteria in it than just yogurt does. So what I do actually, I have to make another batch this afternoon is I once a week, well, this week is going to be twice because it depends on how fast my family goes through it. But once a week, I pull my kefir grains out of the fridge and they're in, I don't know if anyone is familiar with kefir grains, but they look like little bunches of cauliflower. Yeah, and, that's a great way to describe it. Yep. And then you, when it's, you store it in the fridge, um, I just put milk, you know, a little bit more to cover them. And then, so once a week, I pull that out, strain off that milk, add it to a new batch of like a jar of milk, and then let that ferment like overnight. And into the next day, I just, I just pick it up and look at it. This is like highly scientific. <laughs> I, <laughs> I make sure that it's kind of gloopy. That's my word. And once I know it's kind of gloopy and that it's thickened, then I know it's ready. If it's still real liquidy, then it's not ready. And it all depends on how warm your house is. So then, so literally you you pour milk in it and you let it set for a day. And then you strain that out, that water, that's your water kefir. And I just stir it over a strainer and into my jar. And then you put the the grains in some new milk and throw it in the fridge for a week. That's what, that's dairy kefir. And and you can add fruit to it, you know, whatever. So what I do is I make, I use it to make my superfood smoothies, I call it. And there's a, um, I can send you a link to my post on how to make superfood smoothies, but basically I just throw in anything I have here that can make that healthier that I, that I know won't ruin the taste. Cause you know, if no one's going to drink it, then it doesn't help anybody. So I use only natural sweeteners, either bananas, mango, even with those, sometimes I might add a little bit of maple syrup. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll add a little bit of palm sugar. So those are my different ways to sweeten it. But then I'll put in organic frozen fruit that I have in the freezer. I put in um, a couple scoops of colostrum. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's so good for you and so good for your gut. I'll put in a scoop of um, collagen powder from one of my favorite companies that I could it's all in my post. I put in some like mushroom immunity powder. This just builds your immune system. I put in some vitamin C powder. I'm like picturing it in my mind as I go through it. I put in egg yolks from the farm. This sounds really similar to my morning smoothie. (laughs) Yep. And then I put in some real cream from the farm. And then usually I need a little bit more liquid 
for my um, blender to work. And so I add a little more raw milk in there. And once in a while, like the other day, I had some leftover like juice from Thanksgiving or something. And right. so I just put like a little bit of lemonade in there. You know, like it's basically whatever you have, mm-hmm. just throw it in there. Bananas notoriously go bad on my counter, which I think everyone has that issue. And, but they're so cheap. And so then I just throw in, if it's starting to get brown, I throw those in. And yeah, so I turn it into this superfood, you know, full of immune building, powerful components and everyone loves it. My son is always like, thanks so much, mom. This is great. And, you know, and I just love watching people drink it up because, you know, it's so good for them. And for, you know, for busy people, it literally, it took you longer to describe that than it does to make it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and whether you have a cow or you don't, and you're like me and you're more of an urban homesteader, you know, I buy raw milk from people. And Mm -hmm. so you can outsource this as a homesteader, your milk, or you can have your own cow either way. And you can, you can do all these things and then, um, grow some fruit and berries and freeze them. And yeah, what a great, and so with the ferments, you also do sourdough bread. What? Yes. Yeah, so you, sourdough. Um, what made you decide to do sourdough bread? And you're using, I'm going to assume, um, some ancient grains that do have gluten. Where the one I've been working on is gluten free. Oh yeah, that's. I know there's a lot of people that do it that do uh-huh. the gluten free grains for sourdough, but I haven't gone there because nobody in my family is sensitive to gluten. Right. So yeah, we use einkorn flour. And I also use, and sometimes I use whole grain einkorn flour. And then I also use just like the organic, um, you know, from Azure standard, I get some organic all-purpose flour because there's a lot of people that do pull it off to use all ancient grains or all whole grain, but my family probably would not eat it because it does make a more of a dense loaf. Yeah. So sense. I figured out how to add some of all of those things. So I have more nutrition in there, but still have a nice loaf that rises nicely. Yeah. And, you know, one that people are going to eat because it's light and delicious. You know, I've adapted my, my mom everywhere, you know, we ever went, my mom had a famous um, dinner roll recipe and I've adapted that to sourdough. It's so unbelievably oh, easy. Good. Yeah. It's so simple. And I used to make it so difficult and I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong for years. And I, I even had people on my blog with their, you know, telling how they did it and how easy it was for them. And I would try it and I would just never had any good luck. Well, then I figured out the secret and it's so easy. And I, I talk about it in my, I have a long um, post all about sourdough and how I figured, I call it my sourdough miracle post because <laughs> my husband, one time when I think I was at the Western Price Conference one time and I came home and I could not find my starter anywhere. I had been playing oh, with it. No. This was after COVID. I was playing with it and playing with it and getting closer and trying to figure out what am I doing wrong? And I came home and it was gone. And, oh, I was almost in tears and he felt horrible because it did look funky, you know, in the fridge. Right? We had to leave it, you know, a few days, whatever. But he didn't know. You just peel the funk off and then you got the gold underneath still. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try to make my own starter. I'm going to try this. And so because it turned out to be a God thing, because he did that, then I made my own starter and it turned out, I figured out through this process, what I had been doing wrong all this time. It's all about the feeding. Mm -hmm. If it's, if you're not getting a good rise, you're not giving it enough feeds before you start. And so I, I didn't realize that that was so key I would do like a feeding here and there, but now that I've got it really established, it doesn't take as many feedings either, but you need it like nice and happy and bubbly. And then it will, it'll rise in your recipe. So anyway, I figured all these things out. I do have jump links in that post because it is, I don't know, like 6,000 words or some crazy. Oh, wow. That's a long post. Well, and that's why you see people say when people are advertising or sharing a um, sourdough starter. That is why they will tell you how old it is. Cause the older it is, it is better. more established. Yep. Yeah, it is. Right. It does. I mean, I'm noticing that with my gluten-free one, the older it gets, the easier it is to maintain, Right. And to get it bubbly. I call him Mr. Bubbles and Mr. Bubbles Jr. I have it <laughs> in the fridge just in case I mess one up. I do too. I have two yeah. as well. And one of mine is named Carla 
because do you know um jovial foods where I get heard of them yeah I get some of my einkorn there and I get some at another place but she was the founder and she was so good to me like helping me you know emailing me back and forth trying to help me when back before I figured out what I was doing wrong and then she died suddenly it was so sad so I found out that she had passed right when I was making my new starter so I'm like I'm gonna name one of them Carla (laughs) yeah so what why would somebody go down the sourdough road in the effort to learn how to make sourdough? Because sourdough is the healthiest bread on earth. It's the easiest for your body to digest because it's pre-digested in the process of making it. So, so many people who are gluten sensitive, who can't handle gluten, usually they can easily eat sourdough. And not everybody, and especially if someone is truly celiac, then they really shouldn't. But a lot of people who are sensitive can eat sourdough all day long, no problem. And it's pre-digested through that fermentation process because it takes a little longer. Like with yeast, you can, you know, everything rises quickly, but with sourdough, it takes a little bit longer. So that process works to break down the, the components that are normally hard for people to break down. And one thing to keep in mind, if someone wants to buy sourdough at the store, it, it's possible to find it now, but you have to look at the label and make sure it does not say yeast. So the yeah. best sourdough at the store that you can find will just say flour, water, and salt. Yep. You know, and although in my recipes, like the one I adapted for my mom, it has an egg and, you know, other things in it or whatever. But. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But no yeast. And um, yep. yeah, That's your and that, you know, it just, it pre-digests some of those anti-nutrients that exactly. grains can have. And um, yeah, so that's an adventure. Um, well, wait, let me say one more thing. Yeah. The other thing, it's similar to raw milk in that all the enzymes and all the things you need to digest it, like you said, like, so with raw milk, all the enzymes that you people need to digest milk are cooked off with pasteurization. So a lot of people who can't drink milk can drink raw milk, no problem, because those enzymes are there to help them digest it. So it's just real food and traditional food, the way that people ate on their farms for that whole package forever makes all the difference for your health. Yeah. So do you grind any of your own grain? Yes, I do. I grind my whole grain einkorn. I have a whole bunch um, of the wheat berries, you know, the einkorn berries, because it's sort of like a way it, it, last forever. You know, you can, I keep it, I keep them in the freezer though, my grains, my berries. And then I just pull out a few now and then when I'm ready to make more, if I run out of, okay, so here's what I do. I have my berries in the freezer. And then when I want to make more bread, I will grind them in my grain mill and I will put it in a baggie and keep it in the freezer, but it does lose some nutrients over time. So I don't grind a whole bunch at a time. Right. So when I run out in the freezer, then I just make more. Yeah. That's the same thing I do. And in those whole grains, I mean, they were designed to store as a whole, but once you grind them, they lose their nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we, that's what I started doing recently as well. Um, and do you soak your grains at all? Uh, I used to do that more before okay. I figured out my sourdough. Okay. I just think sourdough is easier and I think it tastes yeah. better because when you soak your grains, I mean, it, I got, I got a lot better at it over the years, but you basically put your grains overnight or your flour with an acid, whether it's mm-hmm. like apple cider vinegar, or some people do whey and that then pre-digests your grains. And then the next day you will go ahead and make your recipe. But I didn't have as much luck flavor wise as I've had now with sourdough. Okay. But yeah. But people do all the time. I just haven't experiment as much. I didn't know if you had done that or any of like the, um, oh, I'm never going to pronounce this properly. The corn (laughs) nix, nix, when you soak corn with lime. Oh, I've never done that one. I want to do it. I grew corn. I can grow corn pretty well. And I want to try it. it. But um, I can, it's a very long word and I know I'm going to slaughter it. So I know what you're talking about. Mixomalization. I'm going to say it wrong. Yeah. But anyways, you soak it with lime because it frees up those B vitamins. Yeah. It's pre-digested. 
Right. I've had, when I remember I was telling you before we started recording about how I went to Joel Salatin's farm a year ago. And when I was there, one of the speakers had a lot of their products that they sell that were prepared that way. And it was really good. Yeah. We get some traditional tortillas, corn tortillas that are done that way. Yeah. If you've never had one that's done that way, as opposed to the, just a corn tortilla. Yeah. The taste difference and the texture difference is yes. different. It's like your yes. body knows. Your body yeah. knows what it needs. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And so you what are is there anything else that you do that um you'd like to talk about before we get into what you do with well, your website and stuff? And so much is now you know, autopilot, but I cook almost all our meals at home. I mean, we rarely um, you know, have pizza even come in because I've got this recipe now for homemade pizza that we all crave. It's so good. And now this one is not soaked grains. Um, and you can do it sourdough though, but I figured out how to get the crust super crispy. It's just this recipe I found online. And then I've tweaked, of course, to add my own stuff to it, but we make those now. And it's just seems like, and my kids always mock me too, because Anytime we are in a restaurant, I'm like, hmm, it's okay, but I think I could make it better. Like, mom, you always say that. Yeah. And, but it's like, I know that I'm going to use, you know, more butter, which always makes things mm-hmm. taste better. Always. I'm not afraid of salt. Right. So I'm going to add more salt until it tastes great. And all these ingredients that do make a difference in the taste. So, you know, I, it does take time though. I'm blessed. I, I work at home and I can change my schedule around. I can like this week, I know that tomorrow I have some stuff going on tomorrow evening. So I'm going to need to have a crock pot meal ready for the family. And the next day I know I'm going to be gone all day long. So I need to have something, another crock pot meal, which we don't normally do two crock pot meals, but um, in a row like that, but because I'm home, I can switch it around. Like I can get some things ready ahead of time and I have that flexibility, but it's not, it's not impossible. So if someone was working, you know, out of the house full time, mm-hmm. you would just have to do these things the night before or early in the morning. Yeah. Or batch cook on the weekend. Yeah. 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 Batch cooking is another thing that's great. Another thing we do a lot of is like, um, I make all of my own mixes. So like taco seasoning, I make, oh. you know, we make all of that. And I used to have- do that, but now I just throw it all in. Like I know what is in taco right. seasoning. So instead of making it ahead and having a jar of it, which is really nice, but I just, I know to add yeah. this yeah. and that. I do it with, I mean, we just, everything is from scratch here, but then, you know, and I'm sure you make this too. And we, for, I forgot to mention this because I feel like it's a staple of um, a healthy diet is bone broth and broth. Oh, yes. Um, you know, I'm sure that you, I mean, I don't have animals here right now, but when I go help process and stuff, I bring home the bones, I bring home the feet, oh, yeah. I bring home the offal. Right. And, um, you know, those organs. Oh, I can talk about that too, about the organ meats. So first of all, about the broth. Yeah. We have this good friend that he would come over and he'd say, you always have some carcass going there on the stove, don't you? (laughs) And pretty much I do. And my freezer, you know, is full of, um, bone broth. I love having it on hand. It's just so you feel like you're rich when you have a bunch of bone broth on hand. Cause I throw it in so many recipes. I'm going to make a like a tomato bisque for supper tonight. And I'm, I've got my real cream and I've got my bone broth and all these, it's just going to be so nutrient dense. And I love watching my family scarf it up because and the problem though, is in the early years, I knew what was good, but I wasn't that great of a cook and I've gotten, I've gotten to be a much better cook. So now my family is scarfing it down and, and it actually, cause it's good. You know, it tastes good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so bone broth is huge. I put it in any recipe I can. And what was the other thing? Oh yeah. Um, organ meats. I have a really easy tip about that. What we do, because we don't, um, have our own animals either. And we have a lot of great farms that I buy our meat from, but what I've done is I have a butcher in town. Who's a totally, um, grass fed based butcher. Mm, And I love this guy. He's, he's so, um, you know, great about listening to all my questions and everything. Cause <laughs> I have always have so many questions, you know, but what he, what he will do for me is he will grind up liver or heart 
and he will make me a big batch of like, I'll get usually 10 to 15 pounds at a time of ground beef that has heart liver in it. And then the same thing with heart. And one thing for, um, to share that people may not know is that when you eat ground beef that has some heart also ground in there, it tastes like a steak. It's so good. Now, liver is different. Obviously, people all know that liver has a taste. But what I do with that is I will use those packages in things like tacos or chili or spaghetti, things that have other strong flavors in there. And then literally my family never knows. They never notice. They do know. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I won't let them hear this. Trust me. Well, the... um... Yeah, because I know for, for me, I actually don't mind liver. I don't, or not liver. I don't mind heart and I don't yeah, mind heart's actually good. It really is. But the liver, I have a hard time with the flavor and yeah. I eat it, but yeah. I, I struggle with that. Do you eat it straight though? Or do you do what I do and have it ground in with your ground beef? Well, we found out last year, I found a recipe for um, liverwurst. Oh. And I made liverwurst and we found out that we liked the liverwurst. Oh, so good. now I need to make more, but right now what I've been doing is I freeze it in little chunks. Oh, smart. And that's how I, and you I, like the little pill size. Yeah. And then I don't okay. have to taste it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. smart. I also do take a supplement from my, one of my favorite companies. Yeah. Um, you know, the desiccated favorite liver. company is one of mine. I was one of my favorite, which was perfect supplements. Perfect supplements. Yeah. yeah I love I loved their guys. liver. The other thing about them that's so amazing about Perfect Supplements is they put up with me like you can't, I mean, you can probably imagine I am so picky and I just like ask questions over. And I mean, I want to know everything. And there's tons of times that I just send a little one-off question. Hey, you know, forgot to ask you about this. And he, he's always right back with me and answering me. And they're so transparent. So yeah. So that's why I love those guys. We really, we really need that though, because, um, the supplement industry can it's be shady. a little sketchy sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. You don't know really what you're getting. And the fact that they're so transparent and the thing that's cool about it, I have a um, video on my YouTube channel with one of the founders, Kristen, okay. who really found the Western Price Foundation. That's what started everything for her too. And over time, she just realized it was hard to find things that you could trust. So they just started their own supplement company. That's how it that started. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you started this and now you have this thing called Kelly, the kitchen cop, which yep. apparently has a YouTube channel. And I know you have an Instagram and a website with blogs yes, and, and Facebook. You, oh yes. In the Facebook and you, um, you, your focus is on healthy foods and on your blog, you have, um, like downloadable PDF files and you've written a book. What was your book about? My book, Real Food for Rookies is just for that demographic of people who are thirsty and hungry and want to know more about how to feed their families well and how to maybe get well again. And maybe they've been really sick, but they're feeling overwhelmed and they're not sure where to start. The whole first chapter of my book is called, is a real food ingredient guide. And it shows people, okay, so if you used to get this at the store, like say you used to get low fat milk at the store. Now it's like uh, good, better, best. So best would obviously be raw milk from a farmer that you know and trust right. and you know that they're raising their cows, right? And then good would be like, I don't think I even have a, a Sometimes I only have two categories because right. I always tell people if I could only get milk at the store, I don't think I would drink milk. Okay. So, so the best is the raw milk from a farmer you trust. Second best, and I know you guys have that where you are too, is a lot of times at the health food store, you can find in the glass jars from farms yeah. that will do low temp pasteurization and it's yeah. not homogenized. So you have to shake up the cream, but that is a good, that's what I do. Actually, we're taking, I'm going to take a huge roaster full of mac and cheese to a family Christmas on Saturday. And because I know I'm going to need more milk than what my, you know I get from my raw milk farm, I'm going to go get that milk from the glass jars, the low temp pasteurized, whole milk only, never low fat, and use that in my recipe. So that's kind of what I use as a backup sometimes. Okay. And that's a good option for people who, you know, maybe don't have access to raw milk or, you know, aren't able to source it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what my first book, chapter. Really helpful. 
my whole first chapter is that type of thing. Like it shows you instead of buying this, just buy this, you know, it's all about swaps and easy, healthy swaps. Yeah. And I think that's what we need. You know, you step into this slowly and then build on your skill, build with your skill level Yep. and then slowly incorporate. Okay. Well, I have learned how to make the tortillas. Maybe this year I'm going to grow the corn. Right. You know, just these little baby steps. Um, I, you didn't wake up today and start doing this and I didn't, I mean, I've been doing this for like 20 years now and it's just the slow process of trying to, you know, improve your health and then maybe learn how to grow it when it comes to like this podcast is more about homesteading, but I wanted to have you on because health, I believe is just so important with the whole homesteading thing. Right. And, um, so you have the book and you, um, you were talking to me before we started the podcast about a podcast that you recently listened to that you really enjoyed? Yes. So this one, I know that your listeners will love this one. It it was long. You know, a lot of these podcasts are two or three hours and. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you look at it and you're like, how am I ever going to have time to listen to this? Well, what I do is like, if I'm washing dishes or I'm going for a walk or I'm in the car, I'll just turn it on and listen to it over. It might take me two weeks to get through it. You know, well, this is one of those that just happened to pop up somewhere. It was a Joe Rogan podcast. And he had on there Will Harris from oh, yes. um, what is the name of his farm? Uh, White, White Oak Pastures. Pastures. Yeah. yeah. Down in um down south somewhere, Georgia, I think. And it this was so interesting. It you have to try to listen to this one. Okay. He he talked about so many different issues as far as you know, one of the questions Joe Rogan kept going back to him was, but do you think that this way of farming can feed the world? And so they talk about that and they talked about why it's bad that Bill Gates is buying up so much farmland. And, and he talked about how, and and this is always huge on my heart too, that people who will badmouth meat as if all meat is bad, just because the factory model is bad and Mm -hmm. the factory model is horrible and we don't buy that meat, but the meat that we do buy from our local farmers who know how to raise their animals humanely and who know how to feed them what God made them to eat. That's the healthiest meat for you. And so I always, I don't know, someone said this and I always copy it. It's not the cow, it's the how, it's how it was raised. And so Will Harris talked about this a lot and how he is actually saving the environment. A lot of people will say that cows are bad for the environment and the factory model that is bad, but the way he's doing it, not only it's not just neutral, you know, the factory model is really bad. It's not just neutral. What he's doing is so much better for the environment. The way the cows are, you know, working up the land and creating better soil with their manure and, you know, the carbon footprint and all this is so much better the way that. Will Harris and other farmers like Joel Salatin and my local farmers who I love mm-hmm. are doing these things and they're, they know how to do it right. My farmer, um, where we get our milk and our eggs and some of our meat, they learned from another farmer. Let's see his name's Wesley, or maybe that's the son. Um, anyway, another, I mean, they're learning from each other, yeah. you know, right. Yeah, they are. And they have classes, a lot of them, on how to raise your animals this way and how to regenerate your soil and have healthy soil that's going to, you know, make more healthy food. So yeah, I think I you mean, guys really Joel love that. Calls that uh, better than organic farming, um, right. I think, you know, regenerative farming. Yeah, it's not right. sustain. Sustaining would be the same. These farmers exactly. are this is regenerative. Yeah, they're making yep. it, they're leaving it better than they found it. Exactly. And, um, the other thing, speaking of Joel Salatin, the other thing is he calls his his cows, his beef, salad bar beef. Yes. Because, yes. you know, when you think about that, a lot of people who are trying to lose weight or get healthy, if they're just eating the cow, the, the beef from the store, they're basically just getting more and more carbs through that meat, you know, because they ate grains. Those animals ate mostly grains. Whereas if you're eating grass-fed beef, you know, it's like you're getting your vegetables and your meat at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. And that fat on those animals is a very different fat when you eat it. And it's 
so good for you. Your body needs that healthy fat. We were talking about this earlier, but these healthy traditional fats like butter, lard, tallow, your body needs these saturated animal fats and it helps every system in your body. I really think that is why I have such high energy and why I feel good every day and why my immune system is strong. I attribute it mostly to how much of that saturated fat I eat. Now I do need to watch my carbs a little more, especially after menopause. That's pretty important. Um, and I'm not always as good at that as I should be, but my carbs are usually healthy carbs, even though they're, I need to limit them a little bit, but then I just load up on the healthy fats and the grass fed meats and the pastured pork and pastured chicken and, you know, vegetables, the best I can find. We grow a lot of our own vegetables in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, although we're still working on our soil, trying to get more of a, right, a good yeah. crop. Um, so we, we buy most of our, or we grow most of ours, but I also fill in with some farmers. I know down at the farmer's market who are growing in these ways, they're, you know, regenerating the soil. And, and then in the winter, I have to do what isn't great, which is buy the, you know, so-called organic from the grocery store, which is hopefully better than the other, but it doesn't really mean it's that great. If, you know, a winter tomato from Meyer isn't going to be anywhere near what we can grow in the summer, but sometimes you need a tomato. Yeah. And you can sure taste the difference too. Yeah. It's amazing. The difference totally. Well, I think that is it. You, um, I will, in your, in the show notes, I will put all of the links to where people can find you because you have all of this information and more to help people get started on changing their diet or, um, learning how to do sourdough with some of your tricks and stuff like that. Yes, so. Thank you so much. And if they, if they go to the, my website, they can see the sign up. They can get my newsletter. I don't send it out like too often. My goal is always once a week, but usually it's like every other week or so. And that always has a bunch of information in there. You can email me anytime. If you have some questions that you're wondering about, I love, like I said, to respond to my readers and help people out. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Rachel. And thank you, Kelly. And thank you, audience. Thanks for listening to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Until next time, grow where you're planted. Looking around, I finally see I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free It's a modern homestead Build a modern homestead A lot of folks don't understand Why I want to live this way We do here every day Snapping beans like Grandma did Sitting on her front porch Hunting and fishing like a kid Once you've done all of your chores